Welcome to Light Steps Live. Our mission is to open the Word of God to edify the believer and evangelize the world, that people who follow Jesus can walk in the light as He is in the light. So we're heading off into James chapter 4 again, and we're going to be looking at uh, verses uh, 6 through 12. And, you know, we need to remember that there's already been some good stuff here. What causes quarrels and fights among you? We already know we've got passions warring within us. We we all have these problems. But before we can get to James, I sort of want to do a precursor to this James chapter 4, verses 6 through 12. I want to do a precursor by just looking at what I believe is a critical call to humility that the Bible makes to every person who would walk with the living God. I want to hit you with a ton of scripture references and, um, and then give, and then give, uh, five principles at the end of that, just to set us up to go into James chapter four, verse six through 12. This is just a setup, but I believe it's highly necessary. Let me start with one of my favorite stories from scripture. And, uh, I, I I just went ahead and, and put a ton of these, these scriptures I'm going to reference on one piece of paper so that I won't lose time flipping back and forth. Uh, um, so if you hear the rustling of papers, that's what it is. Um, let's go to Luke chapter 18. And yes, I'm doing this as a, as a, as a precursor to, to uh, James 4, 6 through 12. Let's go to Luke 18. Beginning in verse 9, here's what the Bible says. He also told this parable to some who trusted themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. And I always like that. That's that's Luke chapter 18, verse 11. It's like he points a finger. I'm not like that guy. I'm not like those people, and I'm not like that guy. Okay, verse 12. Uh, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I get. But the tax collector standing far off would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this is Jesus saying now, I tell you, this man, meaning the tax collector, went down to his house justified or made right rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. I love this story. It's an incredible story. You got this one guy who everybody would say is a good guy. He says of himself, I'm a good guy. I don't do this. I don't do that. I do do this. I do do that. But Jesus says another guy goes justified. Why? What's the difference? One man's full of pride and one man is dependent on himself. Look at what I don't do. Look at what I do do. Another man has nothing to claim. He only has the cross to cling to. He only cries out to the living, merciful, just God, please have mercy. I've always loved that story because it really, it really, um, it really is a beautiful, powerful, convicting illustration of, of humility, of, of um, the pursuit of God's mercy and grace, of judging others, you know, of judging self. There's so much packed into there. I'm not going to take time to unfold it. 
But I love the illustration. And so the first question I have for us when we think about pride and humility is just first, how do we approach God? Do we approach God looking at the holiness of Jesus and falling humbly on our face when we don't see the holiness of Jesus in ourselves? Are we that person who look around at people and say, I'm better than so-and-so? That's an incredible difference in how we approach. Do we compare our lives to holy, perfect, just God, or do we compare our lives to other broken people? Um, so, you know, with just that as a way to frame our thinking, let me share several other scriptures that reveal to us how God views both humility and how God views pride. Listen to this one, Psalm 138, verse 6. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. In other words, there's a nearness. People people who are, who are humble, who are lowly, are near to the Lord. And people who are haughty or full of pride, there's some distance there, you see? Or how about this one? Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 and 17. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. And the list goes on. I just, I didn't give it all. But haughty eyes, proud eyes. Or how about this one? Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. Wow. So the inner man, um, you know, pride, and it comes out of the outer man, the way of evil and perverted speech, what we do and what we say. There's the old saying again, whatever's in the well comes up in the bucket. And so if we are full of pride and arrogance within, it comes out in how we talk and what we do. And, you know, God just says, you know, he hates that stuff. Or how about Proverbs chapter 16, verse five? Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured he will not go unpunished. Whew. It's a heart position. Arrogance, pride is a heart position. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Part of what we're going to deal with today, James chapter 4, verse 6 but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. He opposes the proud. Now, that, that's one of those verses that really gets my attention and scares me. Why? Because I can confess to you. I'm ashamed to confess it, but it's just the, it's an honest confession. I have lived a great deal of my life uh, with pride. And I'll tell you, sometimes I felt justified in my pride. Uh, pride sometimes for me is a self-defense mechanism. You know, if it seems like if I don't like me and believe in me, nobody else likes me. Nobody else believes in me. If I don't enjoy what I'm doing, it doesn't seem like anybody else enjoys what I'm doing. So I'm going to be proud of who I am and what I do. And, um, you know, I, sometimes my pride has been just a testimony of self-dependence. I got this. I can do this. I don't need anybody and I don't need God. Rarely do I say that, but, you know, honestly, I've lived it. And so when I see that God opposes a proud, it's very convicting to me, brothers and sisters, because I've struggled with this. And sometimes I've been prideful, I'll be honest, just because I've been good at some things. I was good at it, and I knew I was good at it. And it's led to, to, to pride. Now, um, in the English 
uh, language, in the colloquial English language, we know there's a good kind of pride where we feel joy about someone else's success or the good things in their life. And we often call that, like say, I'm proud of you. Um, there's a swelling of, of, of thankfulness and, and goodness and joy because of something someone else has done. Not, not that, that kind of pride isn't always bad. And we know that. We're not dealing with that. We're not dealing with that, that good kind of pride. We're dealing with, as, as one popular song says, the kind in the Bible that makes you bad. <laughs> that, that sort of pride. So, I, so this grips me. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. I want grace. I want unmerited favor. I want to not be in opposition to God. I want to be in abiding concert with God. So James chapter four gets right in my face. Likewise, so does first Peter chapter five, verse number five. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. There you go. There it is again. There it is again. Um, how, how about uh, Second Chronicles uh, chapter 7, verse 14? People love to quote this when things are going bad, or they love to quote it to set up a prayer meeting. Okay? If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. If my people, if, conditional, right? My people, possessive, um, who call by my name will humble themselves. And, you know, what I love here is he says, humble yourself and turn from your wicked ways. Humble yourself and pray. Humble yourself and seek my face. To opening to to prayer and seeking God and, and the willingness to turn from sin and wickedness always begins with humility. Or how about, this is absolutely one of my favorite verses in the Bible. I love this. Isaiah chapter 57, uh, verse 15, Okay. He says, uh, for thus says the the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. All right, so Isaiah says, thus says holy God, right? I dwell in the high and holy place and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. God lives in two places. He lives in the high and holy place and he lives with the humble and contrite person. When he lives with the humble and contrite person, what is God doing in your house? He wants to bring you revival. The truth will set you free, right? So humility actually creates an opening for the presence and the power of God. Or how about this one? How about this one? At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them. He put the child in the middle of them and said, truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. All right, man. Brothers and sisters, I get excited when I read this. I get convicted. I get excited because I see the possibility to draw near to God. I see the the possibility of experiencing his presence, experiencing his power. And I realize that humility is the key. Granted, you know, granted, all we're doing right now is setting up 
to more fully appreciate the words we're going to share together from James chapter 4, verses 6 through 12. We're setting up for that, but I believe the key to setting up for that is the willingness to recognize and repent of pride, to take the position of humility and receive the power of God through through, uh, humility. And so, I want to give you guys five things, five things that I think are problematic because of pride. Five things. This is just point blank, simple, simple stuff here. Number one, pride, pride refuses to admit we have need. A lot of us say, I got this. I'm okay. How many of us think we're okay? All right. And we shut God out of our lives by simply saying, I got this. We might not say it out loud, but we said, I got this. Secondly, okay, pride often, if it does admit there is a need, pride will often refuse to to confess that I cannot meet this need on my own. I cannot meet this need on my own. One of the easiest ways to illustrate that is to say God requires righteousness and you look and you say, I don't, I'm not righteous. He says, all the best things you've ever done on your own without me are like filthy rags. I have no righteousness, but God requires righteousness. Okay. So a lot of us, instead of saying, um, I, I'm not good it, by God's definition of good, I'm not righteous by God's definition of righteous. We'll just keep piling on our version of good works and, 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 and hoping you know, against hope that it'll be enough. That's, that's pride. That's pride. Pride says there's a need. Pride says I can't meet the need. You know, pride refuses to admit the need and pride, if it does admit the need, you know, refuses to admit that you can't meet those needs. Thirdly, pride is often revealed by caring more about what people think than about what God thinks. Can't tell you how many times I've been in a, a meeting where there's been an altar call and, and, uh, and, and, and you just know the Holy Spirit's dealing with people, but people are afraid to, you know, as the old saying goes, walk that sawdust trail to walk that out, uh, whether they talk to the preacher or not. You know, when's the last time you said, man, God just spoke to me in such a way that I don't care who sees me. I'm going to get out on my knees and talk to the living God. I'm going to humble myself. So a, a lot of times, a lot of times we, we won't change our lives because we can't imagine having to explain it to everybody why we're changing our life or why we're allowing God to change our life. So pride is often more concerned about what people think than what God thinks. Pride is always looking for the fault in someone else and rarely even being willing to explore where the fault could be in us. If, if we will explore the fault in us. We, we will usually only do so by saying, I've got a less percentage of fault than the other person. Uh, and the fifth thing, you know, usually pride is claiming to be right. You know, I'm right, you're wrong. Here's your problem. If we see God's attitude toward pride and we see God's attitude toward humility, we've got to understand that in the minimum, pride in the barest of minimums, pride hinders our lives. It hinders our walk with God. Uh, Pride can flat out stop, stop up the opening of God coming into our lives. Pride uh, could absolutely be costing us as individuals and costing our family. 
Um, and, 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 you know, it's, it's just sad. So let me go back. Before we go to James 4, let me go back and remind you guys of that story from Luke 18. And, and I didn't even read all the stuff I had on my paper. I just see the time flying by. Every one of these passages on pride and humility are powerful, convicting. Remember that story. One guy goes in and he's a religious leader and he's like, you know, got his hands lifted to heaven. He's looking to the heavens and he's standing there going, uh, Lord, thank you that I'm not, uh, uh, I'm not a bad person. I don't do this and I don't do that. And I'm not like that bad guy over there. Thank you, Lord, that I am a good person because I do this and I do that. That's all pride. That's all pride. Looking at self, uh, and thinking you're okay, looking at self and uh, thinking I'm better than somebody else, looking at self and not confessing that we have absolute 100% need of God. What does humility look like? Guy's beating his chest. He's, he's mourning. And this is, I don't even have time to get into it, but, you know, that chest beating thing, that's something women would have done. He didn't care what anybody thought. He's beating his chest. God, have mercy on me. He was mourning. He was mourning his, his sin. He was, he was confessing his need. So brothers and sisters, before we even get into James, you know, just ask yourself, am I more characterized by my pride or am I more characterized by my humility? Tough question worth exploring. Thank you for joining us on Light Steps Live today. My name is Katie Bose, and the rest of our production team is Andrew Liggett, Shannon Allen, and Steve Riley. Music provided by Banjo Ben Clark. Connect with Banjo Ben at banjobenclark.com. Tim Bose is a pastor of East Rock Community Church and the executive director of My Life Matters, a gospel ministry with a focus on making disciples who become lifelong followers of Jesus. Discover more about My Life Matters at mylifematters.club. Thank you.